Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Uh, welcome to the Side Action, episode 23 of season four. My name is Jim Weglars, aka Wegs. You can call me. Call me. You can call me anytime you want. You can follow me <laughs> at Legspool on Twitter and on Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, aka Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31s Roberts. Follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So there you go, Action. Screwed up right there. It's only taken. It's only our 122nd episode. So uh, first of all, for our Side Action listeners, I got to congratulate Action here. He, he got engaged over the weekend on Saturday to Melissa, our, one of our biggest fans, actually. Uh, so congratulations, Action. Big applause and, and nice work. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited. Uh, a winter walk along the beach. It was fro- The bay was frozen, but it was very romantic and a solid proposal all in all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hopefully he didn't fall over on the ice or anything, but... Uh, It'd be memorable. I mean, Melissa's the best. So, you know, she's a not only a side action listener, she's one of the, you know, just sweet, sweet girl. I mean, obviously, she's a former, former uh, free swinger. So I think she also played a little football, too, right? Yeah. Played soccer. So that's right. she's kind of in the family. So it's, you know, welcome to the family officially, Melissa. So there you go. Thank you. <laughs> How was the rest of your weekend? Obviously, we, we'll talk about the football, but did you, you guys went up there on Friday or Saturday? When did you go up there? Yeah, up, up north. As we call it here in Michigan, I know they use the same nomenclature around your parts, but uh, we went up to the Traverse City, uh, Petoskey area. There's lots of wineries and outdoor activities, Boyne skiing, obviously, although we didn't ski. Uh, just kind of piled around, looked, uh, did some drinking and eating and hung around in the downtown, stayed at a very nice hotel overlooking the bay. It was enjoyable. And then uh, Saturday night when we were out to dinner, I was sweating the golf tournament. As you mm-hmm. know, we, t- we touched on last week. It started a day early because they wanted to avoid the conference championship Sunday. And mm-hmm. we sat down to dinner, and I had a big ticket on Luke List at 90-1 to 1 to win the tournament, and he was going into a playoff. So, Ooh. of course, I had this really romantic dinner set up. We sat down, <laughs> and I look up, and the TV right by the bar has the golf tournament on. So... I was distracted a little bit, and Luke List won 90-1 in my bankroll. It was a nice hit early on in the golf season. Two out of four winners now. That's awesome. You're red hot, man. That's like that's a great payday. I mean, Melissa knows what she's getting into with action. The guy's name's Action, so what can you do? Yeah, I mean, that's right. You've obviously won your fair share of some bankrolls, so, you know, she she got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, I paid for dinner, <laughs> and it's, I paid for the whole weekend, really, so that was nice. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Um, well, on this end, uh, I did. So let's see. I played a little volleyball on Saturday. Um, Saturday evening, I spent some time with Ridgeway. You know, you know Ridgeway and Carish and the gang. We went to this Smiley's Brewery. They've got a new location in the city at uh, 3800 North Broadway, roughly. Uh, so we got a couple beers. I don't drink beer anymore, action. I uh, mm. dehydrated me pretty quick, but it was you know it was tasty. We had a good time. Kind of called it early, and then Sunday. You know, I was just kind of plugging into the games. I went to Four Shadows, you know, obviously the official bar of the uh, side action, which, you know, I'm sure Rob's not listening, but I'm going to hit you up for that that display board. Maybe we can get some side action uh, swag up there and uh, promote us up there. But, 
you know, was there with some of the volleyball guys, Luke, you know, who's a listener uh, and Dave who's moving out to Arizona. I just mentioned, maybe he'll make it out to the Vegas trip and uh, my buddy Carlos. And then later Kardish kind of swapped in after the second game. So they all, they were all there for the first game. We watched it and then two checked out. Kardish showed up and then Dave left at halftime of the second game, but obviously great games. Didn't, didn't, I mean, I won one of the sides, I guess, but, uh, a little disappointed because my ticket didn't come in for San Francisco. So we'll, that's a little spoiler, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> so let's go into the NFL recap. Obviously, it was Championship Sunday. We only had two games. Super good games, though. I mean, that maybe is as wild and crazy as the uh, divisional round. But, you know, both look at this. Look at this action. Underdogs. They, it's a year of the underdog. Two more dogs, and uh, one against the spread. Uh, both of them road dogs as well. In this case, we didn't have two straight-up winners, um, and, but we had, you know, two unders as well in championship week. So, but we finally got a game that was affected by the spread in the playoffs. It only took, you know, ten games in or whatever. Yeah, that's true, and you're right about that. The underdogs have definitely been barking in this playoff uh, so far, and now Cincinnati looks to do it uh, a third week in a row and uh, go on the road and win win a game. That's right. That's right. Even though technically the Super Bowl is supposed to be a neutral venue, it's in L.A. So. Yeah, technically Cincinnati is the home team, I believe, uh, technically, and they get to wear the dark jerseys or whatever. So let's talk about that first game. So Cincinnati, we were both on the Chiefs here, and you know, honestly, action, I think we were, we were on the right side to start. I mean, Chiefs came out like gangbusters. They scored 21 points in their first three drives. They're up 21-3. to three. It's 21 to 10 late in the half. They have a chance to score a touchdown or kick a field goal, Andy Reid. And instead, they run out of time. And who would have known at that moment? Because at that moment, I believe Cincinnati was plus like 700 or plus 750 to win on the money line. But who would have known that the Chiefs would only score three more points in this game? I mean, it was they were scoring at will in the first half. And obviously, the second half was just, I don't even know. I can explain it. I, honestly, when I was watching the game, I was joking around that Mahomes had money on the game. I mean, he played so badly. Uh, I heard that he had a 1.6 quarterback rating in the second half after a 98 quarterback rating in the first half. Um, but despite all that, they still had a chance to win the game outright. They wouldn't have covered for us. But, I mean, Mahomes fucked it up again. Sorry, America. Sorry to use the foul language. But uh, dancing around, Sam Hubbard, you know, knocks it out of his hand. He almost lost the game right there. Yeah. And eventually they forced OT, and then our guy McPherson, the, the kicker from the Bengals, who's money. I thought he was going to miss that that one that was kind of at an angle, but he made it. Um, and the Bengals, they hadn't been in the Super Bowl since the 88-89 season with Boomer Esiason at quarterback. So just an insane game. Yeah, it was the second half, really. It was the just crazy turnaround from the first half. It was like two separate games and mm. of themselves. You had to think there late with the Chiefs driving that they were going to get into the end zone and put the game away. But it, like uh, Mahomes kind of reverted back to his old self where he just kept yep. dropping back deep in the pocket on like every big play. And ultimately it caught up with them. And, and I don't understand Andy Reid. I mean, you're at, at, you know, there are a couple situations on that final drive. So you, you have this game where, you know, the Chiefs dominated and the you know, Cincinnati just kept grinding and got back, got the lead. But the Chiefs moved it with ease again, down the field again. And I don't know what – maybe they were playing prevent defense, but you wouldn't think they would with three points. Mm -hmm. But Kelsey was open on that, that last drive. 
They get inside the five, but a couple times, Mahomes run out of bounds. I mean, it's like this this team has no timeouts. Like get get it down to no time, and they got the ball at a five. They run the first time, but the second time they don't run, and you know. Mahomes gets sacked back-to-back times, and they were kind of lucky to force overtime, to be honest with you. So, yeah, true. And I think the Bengals were the they should have won the game. Like when you watch the game in its in entirety, its entirety. But big disappointment for Kansas City, and it's one of those things that you know the arrogance of both Mahomes and Reed, of course, is going to be called into question from now until the next Super Bowl, unless until they get there. It was. It's one of these things. You don't have this many chances to win uh, a Super Bowl. And it's not that they would have beaten you know, their opponent next week or in a week or so, but you can't blow these golden up. Four, four times they've gone to the AFC Championship game, and they've only gone to two Super Bowls and only won one. All four of them were at home, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the second game you had the Rams uh, playing the Niners. This was you know, kind of a – I wouldn't say it was unexciting. It was an exciting game, but it was definitely kind of what we expected, a lower-scoring game, uh, two divisional foes that were kind of – you know just hitting each other across the mouth a couple of times. I did think in the first half the Rams looked like the better team. They were moving the ball fairly easily, but they kept getting bogged down in the red zone. And obviously Stafford threw a pick early in the game in the end zone. But San Francisco, I mean, you know, Jimmy G did what he did. They made a couple big plays. Your guy Debo made a huge play to you know get a touchdown. And mm-hmm. they were up 10-7 and a half. They got the – 17-7, right, with a good big touchdown to uh, Kittle. And then I don't know what happens to, to Shanahan and his play calling. He just, I don't know if he just puckers up or something. He just can't do it. They have their chance, 17-14, to kind of put the nail in the coffin, and they don't go for it on fourth and two, not to mention I hated the second and third down calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams were stuffing the run all day. And it comes back to bite him because Stafford moves him into position and eventually gets two more field goals to win this game. And obviously, we already know the answer to this question. It looks like Jimmy G's last game in San Francisco. Yeah, it. Uh, I think you're right. Shanahan kind of really was just stubborn there and focused on the run where it was pretty clear that Jimmy G was having some success with those quick early down passes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked like the Niners were going to line up and go for it there, too. They they lined up and then ran the play clock down, tried to draw them off sides. But I thought even leading up to that, that they were going to go for that fourth down and was kind of surprised they chose to punt it. Well, when they ran use check on a third yeah. and two and a half up the middle, I thought for sure they're going for it. What, that was the play call to get first down? I mean, I loved use check as a player, but he's not going to grind. He's not going to go up the middle and take on Aaron Donald for two and a half yards. I thought the run game in general – yeah, it was very stubborn. They're running right up the middle. They didn't try to run at the edges. They didn't try to run at Von Miller, who's lighter, or Leonard Floyd. It was a really weird game plan. And in some ways, when you look at the box score, the Rams did dominate. I mean, they had 11 for 18 on the third down conversions. They way more yards than San Francisco. It was just that San Francisco made some big plays to make things happen, to get touchdowns. But, hey, you know what? This, it's a very talented team. I guess it's the Trey Lance area. I can't believe we're saying that. Maybe he'll the 49ers, but I get the Rams. This is a really good shot. They went in all in to win the Super Bowl, and now they're they're lining up for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to wonder if Trey Lance is all of a sudden going to step in and be good for this team. I certainly expect that it's enough compared to the way Jimmy played this year. For sure, for sure. 
Well, let's just talk briefly about the Super Bowl action, just high-level stuff, and we'll get into a lot of things next week, especially props, which is, you know, we'll talk more about it next week, what what happens at the Super Bowl. You know, when I look at these two teams, um, you know, I, going to the – before I looked at metrics, and I knew the metrics kind of in the back of my head, but, you know, these teams actually aren't that important in terms of numbers. But the way the Rams have been playing in the playoffs, they see a winning single team. Um, but when you look at it, see, especially the Rams, not, not that far apart. I mean, these teams are really close in scoring, uh, offense and defense. I mean, the Rams do gain more yardage, and they're a little bit higher in turnover differential, but the differential between these two teams is pretty minimal. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting that you've seen the number tick up since opening the week at four, and now it's going up to four and a half. So despite the the metrics showing that they're pretty even, pretty clear, at least early on, that betters, the bigger betters are siding with the Rams. They are. And, I mean, that was my initial take, too. It was like, okay, it's Rams Super Bowl. As soon as, the, as soon as the Bengals won, I'm like, yeah, the Rams, even though I was rooting for San Francisco. But we'll see. they got they got to play it on the field. Um, a couple of the injuries that are of note, I mean, the Bengals, you know, C.J. Uzama looks like he's not going to play. He got hurt pretty bad in that game. He's still listed as questionable. Um, they also have, you know, defensive line injuries, which hasn't stopped this defense, by the yeah. way. Uh, you've got Cameron Sample, who's groin, he's questionable. And then Josh Tupo, who was also questionable last time. So, you know, they, they seem to be playing through injuries. And then on the Rams' side, you know, Taylor Rapp is still out with a concussion at safety, and they haven't necessarily missed him, per se. But I thought that the Higby injury at, at tight end could cost them, although the other guy stepped in pretty well. And then we mentioned this last time, Joe you know, Noteboom, you know, with his pack is questionable. But it seemed like their their defense, their offensive line, held up pretty good against the Niners, I did hear a lot of um, talk on the Lombardi line this week that, and I didn't really notice it at the time, you know, they only called one holding penalty in the entire wow. game. And so it does depend on how they are going to call this because if they let the Bengals guys hold against that defensive line, you know, and likewise, then maybe it's a different football game. Yeah, that's a good point, especially with how good the Rams defensive line is. Uh, and how porous the Bengals' offensive line is, I think that's certainly probably the biggest mismatch in terms of the units in this game. And uh, I'm sure you're going to hear that a lot uh, as you listen to media over the next week and a half. And uh, if the referees aren't calling holding penalties, it, it could be a long day for the Rams' D-line. Yeah, it was funny because going into the game, I think that crew wasn't what they do, at least I think they, in the Super Bowl they do this too, but in the championship – so you had a lead official, and that guy is known for his crews calling a ton of penalties. But it's kind of like an all-star yeah. crew across the board. And I think in both games, they kind of let him play. I mean, you saw early in the game, they were mugging Jamar Chase in the KC uh, Cincinnati game. And I think that's what they did to Tyree Kill in the second half. They just started grabbing him and, and slowing him down. So... I mean, look, if you can get away with it, it's great. They're not calling it, but it definitely favors – it kind of levels the playing field a little bit, uh, especially the skill positions, guys. Definitely. Now, you mentioned, obviously, you know, the game is not this week. It's a week from Sunday. You know, it's 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. You mentioned the Rams opened. It's four-point favorites, another four-and-a-half. What about this total? Uh, it's 48-and-a-half. I think it's gone down, or has it gone up yeah. from the – no, opener was like 50 and a half or 50, and you've seen a little move down here early on this week in week one. Right, which is, I guess, I'm not sure I, how I feel about that. I mean, in Super Bowls, usually, the, you know, everybody's going to, the public's going to bet the over. They want points. So maybe that's just the sharp money coming in early 
and swooping in and getting a better number. Um, maybe that's your take, but I do think it probably, if the Bengals are to have a chance, they do have to keep this number low, I think, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think I've heard some state that both of these coaches have shown a propensity to get really conservative, too, in these games that matter. Zach Taylor obviously just has this one postseason under his belt, but McVay, I think, has a history of not trying to get too wild and, and loose with the passing game in these games. And so I expect a lot of running game on both sides with Akers and Mixon. And I put a couple props down here, and that goes straight to that point. And uh, running the football a lot is going to lead to a running clock and a lower score. Right. Uh, what Action's talking about, he's got Akers at over 62.5 yards rushing. It's minus 115 at MGM. Mixon over 16.5 carries, minus 125 at Caesars. Um, now, with that, you did know that <laughs> Zach Taylor, maybe as an experience or whatever, all he was doing was running on first down in the second half. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like second and 10 every time even against the Chiefs. We'll see if he kind of learns from his mistake. Um, but you also have the OBJ prop, you know, over 63 and a half at minus 114 at FanDuel. You're thinking that maybe, maybe the Bengals will try to stop Cooper Cup? I mean, yeah, I hope so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, that's one part of it too. And the Higby injury, I think, okay. also lends itself to more OBJ targets in this game. Uh, I'm not really sure if Higby's going to play, and if he doesn't, you certainly would expect that Stafford's going to look to OPJ a little bit too, so that's part of my angle. Right. Now, it's tough, actually. We can do our official picks next week, but I will tell you in this, you know, not that the index has been great. This <laughs> The playoff index is usually much better than it is in other years. This year was one of these coin flip years, but it loves the Bengals and the points uh, because of, like I said, how close they're in the index. The eye test doesn't tell me that. But, again, this team has been defying logic for weeks. I mean, obviously the Titans win, maybe the Titans weren't as good an opponent, but nine sacks last week, you're down 21 to three and they come back, which, you know, mirror a lot of their regular season game in week 17. I mean, the Rams seem like the better team, but man, uh, I'll have to really dig into this next week to figure out which, which way to go with that. Yeah. I mean, um, you, I think we've talked about it at, in every Super Bowl that we've podcasted for, and you'll probably hear it again a couple times this week. But typically, you're going to see that the public will gravitate to the underdog on the money line. And yep. I expect that the same will happen over the next week or so with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're really going to start to enter public dog territory. And if you do like the Rams, then you're probably going to get a little bit of a depressed number on the money line, which is likely where I'm going to be looking. Yeah, and that's what they've talked about on Beeson all week. Just just kind of wait and wait and wait. Let that public betting really drive that money line down. That doesn't really match the spread because the spread may not move, mm -hmm. uh, but the money line moving because so many novice bettors are just seeing that plus price, and they're just trying to win money, even though you win money on the negative price too, everybody. So uh, anyway, that's all I had this week, actually. I don't know if you want to go anything else, but we'll we'll dig into a ton of props next week. Maybe a little bit more both on you know how to bet this game and you know how to watch it and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to do it yet. I know that I'm still invited to the one party I always go to, but we're talking about going back to the Four Shadows. We'll see. I mean, you know, I like uh, I like a I like a big atmosphere and people are having a good time with squares and whatever. Yeah, and uh, certainly look into the entertainment props too. I know that. A lot of our fans like to hear about the uh, national anthem and the halftime show related props. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course. We we got to get those in. I mean, the 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 time of the national anthem is essential. <laughs> and the coin toss. I don't know if you got any oh. sharp picks on the coin toss. You know, I say always go heads, but now I did go tails right uh, this week. This week for the because um, I think Josh Allen went tails and it was heads, and then the Chiefs won again uh, this week and they won both coin tosses, but this time it was heads this week. So or no tails this week. All right, let's go into college basketball. Um, obviously, the action index is is dynamic. I can see some movement there. Your, your Kentucky Wildcats are up a little bit. Arizona's number two now. Yeah, yeah. Arizona Baylor dropped a couple of spots, and I really think you know we I mentioned a couple of weeks ago they had some injuries and the COVID bug that went through, but I really think that their play has leveled off too. Just watching them with my own eyes, and so they're mm-hmm. down to four, and the top three I think are pretty solid in Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kentucky. I don't know how you feel about those teams, Wags. Well, you know, I haven't seen Arizona play very much this year. I want to play. I saw maybe about five minutes of the game against UCLA last week, which we mentioned. And Kentucky, I have seen play. They had a great win at Kansas. You know they're going to be big in your index because of the rebound stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're also number two in Ken Palm. I mean, they've shot up you know, like a bullet. I do like them, but I want to watch them a little bit more uh, to understand their guard play. Uh Baylor, because of the guards, when they get healthy, I think they're going to still be there. They'll be in the mix. And then I'm a little surprised that Auburn's so low, and I wonder if it's rebounding. This team's playing really well. They are the number one team in the country, but they're kind of blowing people. I mean, they're playing great basketball. Now, they they did win. They won in the Big 12 Challenge, right? They they did win their game. Yeah. Because they beat Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that you're on the right track here. I just I got to see more basketball. I mean, the next month is going to tell a lot, obviously, before we get to the uh, to the you know the March Madness. Well, last week we went three and three action on our picks. I had to listen back to the playback. So you know the Auburn Auburn pick came in over Oklahoma, uh, but Baylor did not. Um, as you mentioned, they didn't play so good. And Alabama, who hasn't been playing great, stepped up in that, that game. Your Kentucky came through with Kansas, as we mentioned. Marquette is on a roll. They they also beat Illinois last night, but they you know they they obviously didn't win the game against Providence, but they lost by one, so they covered the number. And then uh, a little bit of a surprise is that you know Ohio State played really well at Purdue on Sunday. Did you get to watch that game? Or you were we we were driving back, and I was listening on the radio all the way, and Purdue was dominating them. They were up by like fifteen or twenty points with eight minutes to go, and. This is a, a problem that the Boilermakers have had in several Big Ten games this year where they just can't close teams out. Their opponents mm. look to speed them up a little bit and put some pressure on them, and I think that the Boilermakers' guards are going to be their downfall this season because they can't handle the pressure, and uh, Hunter and uh, Thompson and company just aren't elite guards. So, mm. Guards winning college basketball, as you know. Um, oh yeah, I was gonna move to the last one. Ohio or Iowa State did not uh, fare very well against Kansas. Kansas played very well on the road in that game. The other team that I was—I know they're in your top ten. Texas Tech is number nine, and I know that you've got the futures pick. So good job, action! But we're telling our listeners again, this team is playing really well. And I don't know if you got to see the game. I got to watch the game against Texas the other night. Obviously, Chris Beard was coming back, and it was—it was a madhouse in there. But this team is really good. They've got some dudes on this team, and I always like dudes. 
Uh, I like guys who can, you know, they're, they're all like six, six and two twenty and you know, big dudes and they, they can ball out and the defense is always going to be there, but I think they have guys who can actually play, you know, and make some plays on offense, which is always a struggle when you have those, those old Texas tech teams. So I think, you know, the new coach, uh, he's, he's brought in some, some guys. Yeah, they're good defensively, extremely good. Uh, we're going to have to see a little bit more out of their offense, but certainly think that they have a chance to make a run in March. Yeah, I like them too. I mean, they're down to 11, but they're, you know, 54th in offense, so we'll see. Well, what about this week action? We've got some games. I, I picked a Friday night action for you, and I'm sorry my Rams failed you the other night, which they haven't been yeah. playing great. But that was on the road. They blew it in overtime on your sorry action. But Friday night action, that's tomorrow night. Uh, the the Aztecs, which is usually the class of this this group, but you know the Mountain West is pretty loaded this year. I think they're going to get three or four teams in the tournament. But San Diego State's going to Colorado State, eight o'clock Central uh, tomorrow night. And the Aztecs got blown out third by thirty in early January, but I think that was right off a COVID situation. They didn't have everybody back. The Rams have not been playing good defense at all, um, but they have a really good offense, and I like some of their players. You're showing uh, Ken Palm projects Colorado State being a two-point favorite at home, but do you like the Aztecs to to take this one? No, I, I think that Colorado State is the side here. I do show that San Diego State is slightly better on a neutral court, but I mm-hmm. think uh, traveling to – is it Fort Collins? Fort Collins, Moby Arena, baby. Is, uh, is going to be uh, some home court advantage for them. And I, I would probably lean to the home side here in the Rams. I mean, both of them are equally good defense on the San Diego State side and the Colorado State offense, I think, is going to be the matchup in this one. But I mm-hmm. I think that the Rams are the pick at home. And I don't know San Diego State's team well enough to say, but what I've seen in the last two games that they did lose to uh, Utah State and to Wyoming they're big teams. Uh, Colorado State's small. Mm. They're small. Roddy's a really good power forward, but he's more like a Charles Barkley, like six six and yeah. two four five or something. He's not. He's not. They don't have any tall guys on the team, so they struggle against bigger teams on the glass. And once Roddy gets in foul trouble, he's a main offensive weapon. They struggle, and that's what happened. They, he got he fouled out in overtime, and it was kind of over um, when they played at Wyoming. That's the border war, by the way. I mean, I know you're. Not familiar with that, so it was exciting. <laughs> they, they lost an the so. It was an exciting game. It was probably the biggest game yeah. on. I, was that Tuesday or I don't know, I forget what night yeah. it was, but that was a good one. Or Monday. Yeah. It had to be Monday. Yeah, it was a, that was a good game. All right, so Saturday uh, we've got some good games here. You've got UConn. I'm trying to pump up the Big East here. UConn, of course, lost. <laughs> they lost last night, but UConn um, is going. They're the seven. They're ranked 17th. Is going to Villanova. Uh, you've got the total at 129 here, and um, this game's at 11 a.m. Central. They're two g- good teams in the Big East. I don't know if they're the top teams anymore with uh, Marquette surging and everything, but um, what do you think of this one? You have UConn as a seven-point dog on the road at Villanova? I do. Uh, Ken Palm. Ken Palm projections yeah. here. And uh, sure. a low total, 129, which just speaks to the pace that both of these teams play. The Connecticut Huskies are ranked 259 in pace, and Villanova is almost dead last in D1 at uh, 356. So (laughs) definitely going to be a grind, which is going to give a lot more value to the points, I think, on the underdog side. And to be honest with you, I'm showing a little bit of value on Connecticut. I'm hesitant, though, because I think it's a really great bounce-back spot for the Wildcats coming off the big loss to Marquette last night. 
Yeah, I agree. They didn't play great in that game, and I think they're going to come home and play better. Um, we'll see. I, you know, at first when I saw this, I was really excited about lining up because I thought these teams were playing great, but both of them were struggling. I do trust Jay Wright a lot. Um, so I think seven seems like a big number, though. I, you know, in college basketball, you want to just review for our listeners what our key numbers are in college basketball because we got to get off our football mindset. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it, you're talking about in the range like two, three, four is certainly key in one hand. And then when anytime I see a game that's lying between five, six, seven and eight, I immediately gravitate to the free throw shooting because in many cases such as this, you're going to see a pretty, you know, a tight game likely. But uh, if the favorites ahead coming down the stretch, then they're obviously going to get put on the line quite a bit. And I'm looking here at Villanova's numbers, number one free throw shooting team in the country, 83%. So there's a, a little bit of interest there because typically if I see a team laying seven and they're a really crappy free throw shooting team, then you would look to go against them in most cases. Right. Okay. Well, maybe talk me to Villanova, even though you said there's value on UConn. I think I, I like the bounce back spot. They're good free throw shooting. I'll, I'll take that mm-hmm. latest. Uh, here's the game we're going to talk about now. Now, little plug for this thing that we may try, or I guess we're going to try this thing called Rayvon Sports. It's an app that we got contacted via Twitter to participate as hosts in a game. And what you do is you can basically live chat during a game. It's kind of like a, a smaller version of Twitter. Uh, but for an individual game, and you can kind of comment with people that are watching the game in real time with a host. And so we're going to try. We haven't officially done this. We're just throwing this out there to our mega listeners that uh, we are going to you know, action. are going to live chat this game. I'm going to take Illinois. He's going to take Indiana. And we're going to talk smack the whole game as we watch this at 11 a.m. Central. So it uh, looks like Illinois is a one-point dog on the road against Indiana, which, you know, I mean, I guess that's about right. I mean, Illinois is probably favored on a neutral, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but walk us through the matchup here. I mean, I would probably favor, you know, Illinois in general, given where Indiana's offense is. But, you know, do they have a lot of size on Indiana? Because I know that besides Kofi, it, they get a little thin in the middle at, at, you know, in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this season, Indiana's strength is certainly their interior. All-American mm-hmm. Trace Jackson Davis is – a candidate for the Wooden Award this season. And they also have Race Thompson, who plays at the four, who is a great offensive rebounder. And I think between the two of them, they're going to be able to hold their own with Kofi on the inside. So um, I, I, I lean to Indiana in this game, but the pick that I'm going to be looking at most likely is going to be a first half under in this because yeah. Indiana plays stellar defense. When you match up against a team like Illinois, you want to look for a team that plays good interior defense. And Indiana is number five ranked in the country at defending two-point field goals. And so I think that's going to go a long way. Trace and company are going to keep Kofi shooting poorly. And I think that combined with the pace of both Illinois and Indiana and the defense that I'm looking at a first half under. Okay, got it. And and so the, the game total is 135. Um, first half under what? What was the total? Uh, I would project that it's probably going to be in the 62 to 63 range, with a total mm-hmm. of 135. And uh, I think I'm going to be looking for anything at 63 or better to play under in the first half. Right. And for our new listeners, a lot of times when you see these totals, the first half total is a little lower than the second half total because the second half total kind of factors in the free throws, like Action was talking about with good teams. 
So you'll see, you know, the the overall game total might be higher than the, you know, it's not just a doubling up of the the total. Where in the NFL it's almost inverse, right? Sometimes you have, you know, kind of split down the middle. It depends on the team. Who, you know, if they're running the ball, they're going to run the clock out. So it's kind of the opposite effect. When the clock stops, they keep scoring because of free throws. Yeah, and, and uh, in the NBA too, I've noticed over the years that typically you see a much higher scoring first half than you might in the second half. Just because the players are so much better defensively, they don't really typically foul quite as much down the stretch. Yeah, and they just they actually turn on and play defense in the second half, right? right? <laughs> to the fourth quarter. Okay, well, let's go to the next game. It sounds like I mean I I probably with you in Indiana. By the way, I think that makes sense if you're you're getting point or you're just laying one point at home. Seems like that's that that's almost a gift given, but I'll I'll, I'll root on Illinois in the chat. Tough spot for Illinois, too. I know you watched them last night against Wisconsin at home. They got the big victory to take a stranglehold on first place in the Big Ten. And then on Tuesday, they're traveling to West Lafayette in the big rematch against Purdue. Okay, so it's a sandwich spot, as they call it. Indeed. There we go. I learned something, actually. It's only been four seasons. Uh, (laughs) So the next game's a huge game in the Big 12. Uh, It's Baylor going to Kansas. This is at 3 p.m. Central on Saturday. Uh, Baylor showing up as a one-point dog on the road, which is kind of interesting. This is the Ken Palm number, total of 151. Baylor's struggling, but, I mean, Kansas isn't lighting it up. I mean, they played good against Iowa State. I, I guess I would have to check the injury report. I know that you had mentioned there's some injuries, and I know, like, Flagler's hurt, some other guys. They did struggle to score against West Virginia until this late in that game. So it's interesting to get Baylor as a, you know, a short dog, though. It's hard for me to pass that up, even though we know that Allen Fieldhouse has a magical – or of it. They haven't been, I mean, they got crushed by Kentucky, you know, last week there. Yeah, and uh, enter another team in the Baylor Bears who are stellar on the offensive glass, number five mm-hmm. in the country at offensive line. So I think uh, with you, this is another really tough matchup for the Jayhawks, much like the Kentucky one was last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I show that Baylor is actually three points better on a neutral court here. And if you're, you know, one is probably pretty close, but I think that if you're looking for an underdog here, playing them in this game is, is a good spot. Okay. Like it. Like it. All right, let's go to the Pac-12 now. Uh, USC at Arizona. Um, you know, Arizona's. we've talked about it. They should be in the national championship mix when it's all said and done. You're showing them as an 11-point favorite, though, at home against USC. Total of 149 per the Ken Palm numbers. This is 4 o'clock Central on Saturday. You know, USC had a great year last year. They had the Mobley brothers. They've just had a pretty good year. I think there's a lot of carryover from last year when you look at the polling because the team isn't quite as good as it was last year. I mean, they're, they're certainly a solid squad. They're a top 30-ish squad. I'm showing 27th in Ken Palm, but they're not nearly as good on either end as they were last year. Last year they were kind of an elite defensive team with Mobley. They're not quite as good. Their offense is really better this year. I'm going to side to Arizona. 11 seems like a big number, though, Action, I mean, what do you <laughs> It does. It does on paper. But uh, looking at my numbers here, I make Arizona 10 points better on a neutral. So yeah. give them any sort of home court advantage, then you can easily get to this number and probably shows a little bit of value on the Wildcat side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have been awesome this year. Number two. I'm sorry, number seven ranked defensively and number 13 on offense. So they have the interior game that can match up with the lesser Mobley brother. And I think that uh, Arizona is certainly the side here. 
It's a tough spot, though, because they have a big game tonight against UCLA in the rematch where they lost previously this season. Yeah, that one I would definitely lay some some points to take it out on UCLA tonight. Yeah. But you're right, the the back and forth in college is hard to, you know, you see it, as we mentioned last week, you don't see teams covering, you know, five out of seven, six out of eight very often. So uh, I guess we'll see how they play tonight then. But officially for the podcast pick, we will go on Arizona. Uh, the last one for Saturday I have, it's not necessarily a top in the in the rankings, but we've got Duke going to North Carolina. This is a blue blood matchup. It's Coach K's last time going to North Carolina you know, ever, theoretically, um, as a coach anyway. So Duke, you're showing the three-point favor on the road uh, per Ken Palm, and then the total is 149. Um, you know, what do you think? You think he's going to give a good send-off, you know, in North Carolina? Or you think it's more like, hey, we're going to stick it to you, Coach K, last time in, you know, last time in um, Chapel Hill? I don't know. This one is tough. I think the number is probably spot on. Mm-hmm. So. You have to think that the Tar Heel fans and the team and the players alike are going to be up to beat Coach K one last time at home. Oh, yeah. That's probably where my gut leads me to in this game, but I don't really know if I have much of an edge one way or another. The number looks spot on. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely take the points with the home team, you know, just because given the scenario, I mean, it's it's not a lot of numbers associated. When you look at North Carolina, they're not very good on defense. They're 74th in Ken Palm, uh, whereas Duke is a really good basketball team on both sides of the floor. You know, they're, they're the better team. But yeah. we've seen it before, these emotional spots. I mean, Florida State went off against Duke, and they're having a terrible year. So I think, you know, I would definitely take the points at home with, with the Tar Heels. I do. Uh, if the if the total comes out at or near 150, which Ken Palm is projecting, I would show a little bit of value to the under. I am looking at a total here by my numbers around 144. Okay. And uh, I think that given Duke's a little bit slower pace, it might be able to control the tempo a little bit. And their superior defense could uh, surprise, suppress the scoring. Okay. Yeah. Two more games here, action. On Tuesday, I skipped a day, a couple of days. I didn't see many great games that I liked. On Tuesday, you've got a Big Ten matchup. You've got two Big Ten matchups. You've got Wisconsin uh, going to Michigan State. Um, Sparty's kind of gotten on track, even though they're winning close games. Uh, they're showing up as a six-point favorite at home. This is at 6 o'clock Central on Tuesday. Uh, and then the total being 140 per Ken Palm. You know, the Badgers started off kind of gangbusters in the Big Ten and in general. They think they're kind of coming back to earth, both numerically and in the standings. So, do you think this is another spot where the Sparty is kind of getting galvanized and, and rising up? I mean, numerically, this team is better. So six points, kind of a lot. What are their, what are, how are they shooting the ball from the line? Yeah, I mean, uh, Michigan State, 60th, ranked 75% from the free throw line, which is far off from Wisconsin, who's mm-hmm. 76%. So I do think that you have a, a tick mark there in the free throw department. Um I would, again, this is another number that Ken Palm has projected pretty much right in line with my numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So no real edge per se, especially on the glass on both sides. I think that the matchup is pretty spot on. But I uh, am looking to fade Wisconsin at all costs. I finally got a W against them last night in Champaign. Congratulations. And uh, I think that this is another spot to go against them. On the road at Michigan State has been their bugaboo. And uh, and also the Big Ten home teams this year have been dominating against the spread. Right. Good notes. Here's a nugget. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Michigan minus six or Michigan State minus six. Um, our last game, we already mentioned it. You know, we're, we're all over Illinois this week, but Illinois is going to Purdue. Uh, this was a great matchup in the first game at Illinois when, you know, I think it was double overtime or maybe triple overtime. And obviously Illinois is now on the road this time, West Lafayette. You're saying Purdue minus seven. Uh, you know, this is one of these situations where, you know, obviously we, we're going to do the chat on, on Saturday and see what happens. But I don't like Illinois in this spot at all. Uh, the total 149, by the way, 8 o'clock on, you know, 8 o'clock central on Tuesday. I don't like it because I think, first of all, we talked about the size. I think that's what be doubles Illinois this year. But more importantly, you know, Purdue, whatever, man, I think that they're going to come up and they're going to they're going to take this team down. I, don't, I think they'll be ready for them this time. I think Illinois was kind of surprised them at least the first half of that game. And I think Purdue, now granted, it's a long week in the Big Ten. I mean, Illinois got you know Wisconsin and then Indiana and they're mm-hmm. now again for Purdue. But um, I do like Purdue in this spot. Minus seven might be a lot, but I think they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, um, when you look back to the first meeting, MLK Day, mm-hmm. I remember because I was sitting right here and watching it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, Purdue Illinois closed as a one-point favorite at home. Mm. And so now flipping venues and looking at Ken Palm listing the Boilermakers as a seven-point favorite is quite the, a big move. That's and big I'm not sure that Mackey Arena really lines up to provide that sort of home court advantage, although certainly near the top of the Big Ten. But having said that, I think that this game is more about the matchups. And early on in that game in Champaign, you, it was pretty clear that Kofi was not going to be able to guard Edie without fouling him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to happen again. And you're going to see Kofi get into foul trouble and get sent to the bench pretty early. And from there, it's just going to be supreme advantage to the Boilermakers. So... I like that side too. I like even better the under in this game. Uh, in game one, I found myself on the under, and it was a dead nuts winner until uh, Jade and Ivy missed the free throw, and Curbelo came down and scored, and it went to double overtime. Right. So uh, Ken Palm projecting 149, and I'm showing the total closer to 143. I'm definitely going to be on the under in this game. Okay, there you go. All right, well, that's the college basketball segment. It looks like we've got some more information this week for everybody. Uh, the one, you know, one of our both listeners, and he's a he's a participant in the in the Vegas trip, the Night Ranger, uh, Paul Dempsey. He's give, he gave us this trend, you know, as you know, this weekend is the All Star break in the uh, NHL, and what he's noted over the last few years is that there's a definite trend going on that we should be betting on is that teams that basically aren't playing the early games and have a longer period of rest uh, between their next games, sometimes upwards of 10, 11, 12 days, that's the time when you want to you want to bet against that team that's been sitting for a long time. And he's noted several games here. Um, he's got, you know, on you know February 8th, he's got New Jersey at Montreal. He's got Edmonton at Chicago. And again, the first team would be the team you want to you want to bet for. And I guess you would bet what you would just bet straight up the money line. Is that what you're doing in this game? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, typically in hockey, just like baseball, you're going to see the lines uh, just like money lines. So you're going to be laying somewhere between 150 and minus 200 on a favorite. Or conversely, you might find a one plus 140, 180 range on the underdog. You certainly can play the goal, the puck line, they call it, in hockey, which is laying one and a half or taking one and a half with the underdog, just like baseball. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, 
Night Ranger is probably looking at the money line in a lot of these metric or, um, uh, historical trends. Okay. So just to review, you've got on the 8th, you've got Jersey at Montreal. Uh, on the 9th, you've got Edmonton at the Blackhawks here in Chicago. You also have Vegas at Calgary. You have Arizona at Seattle. You have Vancouver uh, against the uh, New, New York Islanders. That's all on the 9th. Um, and then when you're on the 10th, you've got Columbus at Buffalo, uh, New Jersey at St. Louis, and that's an 11-day layoff for the for the Blues in that one. On the 11th, you've got Seattle at Anaheim. That's a 10-day layoff for the for the Ducks. So you know, take those guys down. On the 15th, you have uh, Boston at the New York Rangers. That's a 13-day layoff. And then the last one he listed on the 16th is Carolina versus Florida. The Panthers have a 14-day layoff. So, you know, for me personally, I'm a little conservative on these things. I'd probably go with those last four that have those mega layoffs. Uh-huh. But I love his quote here. Is it a trend or just an anomaly? That's the question betters have to ask themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I mean, I, you can't argue with the numbers over the last two seasons, 19 and 7 straight up and by my quick math that's yep. close to like 80 percent so mm. um, depending on what the prices on some of those games are it will be nice i don't know the teams well enough to know if some of them might be underdogs but if you could uh, get a nice plus price in some of those games that would be quite juicy i'd imagine the the you know the, like the at the blues at anaheim at mm-hmm. the rangers you know those probably are plus money for those teams that would be new, new jersey and seattle and then uh i guess boston so We'll check it out, Night Ranger. Let's win some money this week, and then we'll, we'll report back and see what happens. I guess it goes into the next week, right? What day is it today? So it goes into the 10th. It's almost two weeks now. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll definitely check check this trend and see if we can win some cash. Yeah, one team I know for sure is going to be an underdog, and that's Arizona mm-hmm. playing at Seattle. Arizona is really bad this year, but <laughs> could be a nice big number. I know, I know. Exactly. Why not? Take advantage of it. All right. Well, let's go into. Do you have do you have a golf golf uh, angle this week? So golf started today. So we, we missed. Uh, I, I had half a mind to put out my picks on Twitter yesterday, sure. but uh, they're playing in the Pebble Beach program this week, and for well, there's good reason. A lot of the main um, world golf top fifty are playing in Saudi Arabia. So. It's a pretty weak field this year at Pebble Beach. Patrick Cantlay is near the top of the field and Seamus Power. And um, I went with a ton of long shots, Swags. I think my card has like uh, five golfers on it, and all of them are between 120 to 1 and 300 to 1 in one case. So I'll report back if we hit a big ticket. But otherwise, I think we could probably uh, dive more into golf next week. Okay, well, 90 to 1 hit last week, man. I mean, you're cashing tickets, paying for weekends. you got to pay off that engagement ring, buddy. Yeah, if Kevin Tway comes in this week, then uh, I'll certainly be hollering from the mountaintops in Colorado. Kevin Tway, Kevin Tway. All right. All right, well, that wraps up the content. Let's just review a little bit. A um, couple things. First of all, I just want to, another plug. We'll, we'll have to do it now, actually. Hopefully they get us on there. We're talking about doing this hosting for RaveOn, you know, the, the app RaveOn, uh, which is basically a chat app. We're going to try to do that Illinois-Indiana game this weekend on Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. So jump on the chat and download the app, and hopefully we'll you can join us and just talk smack during that game. It'll be fun. But also a plug for the Vegas trip action. We're you know we're closing in. I mean it's February third. What is that? Six weeks away or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Six weeks from today we'll be at Circus Swim. 
Uh, hopefully, Stadium Swim, it'll be a beautiful day and for us to watch the opening day of the tournament. Uh, we have seven committed. We may have more. Hopefully, my buddy Dave on the volleyball will drive on up from Scottsdale to join us and maybe a few extra. So there'll be plenty of room for anybody who wants to come. We've already you know, gotten our accommodations. Uh, a couple other guys have. So if you're interested, let us know. Um, should be a great time, and I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. The weather is always beautiful in Vegas in March. Mm -hmm. And so if you're tired of this Midwestern snow, then you should come and join us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry 5 and district 4 by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org license under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0